But Ron Butte is, is, uh, is sharing this morning. And Ron has been an inspiration to me and I know to others of you as well by, by the story, not only the story he's, he's been walking through, but how in the midst of things that, you know, nobody probably understands, <laughs> not even the doctors, but in the midst of all of it, he's, and I don't want to steal his thunder. Oh, maybe I already did that. I can't remember. Um, last Sunday. Uh, how he's been trusting God in the midst of all of it. And uh, I, I was listening to a TED Talk recently about, about this thing of vulnerability. And the speaker s- spoke about courage. The original definition of the word was to tell the story of who you are with your whole heart. People who have the courage to be honest about imperfection, people who embrace vulnerability uh, are courageous people. And, and God uses people like that and has used you that way, Ron. And so uh, I'm going to invite you to come and share right now. And we're going to uh, organize the stools accordingly that, uh, uh, well, he can tell you about that. Good morning. Thank you for the opportunity to share, Pastor. And uh, yeah, last Sunday when I listened to, I guess it was Tuesday when I listened to Pastor Marlowe's message, I realized that he'd covered all the points that I wanted to cover today. So I figured, well, we'd just queue up the tape and I'd go for coffee and come back here in a few minutes. Um, But he covered those points from his point of view, and, uh, and I realized that God wanted me to tell this from my point of view. Life the last number of months has been uh, different for me, and as I struggle with illness that is yet undiagnosed, I've been to, I don't know, a number of specialist tests, been through a lot of stuff, and keep coming back to nothing. And I feel like there's nothing to do but wait. And, you know, the scripture comes to mind, they that wait upon the Lord. And I do look forward to the day that I, you know, that, that yeah, maybe I will rise up on wings like eagles. And maybe life will turn out a little differently for me. I don't know. Um, but as I looked at waiting in the scripture, uh, David said throughout the Psalms countless number of times, you know, all this is going on me around me, but I will wait upon the Lord. All this is happening, but I will wait. I will wait here for you. And so that's, that's kind of where I'm at. And I'm not really a wait type of guy. Um, I'm more of a, you know, the sooner we get at it, the sooner we get done type of guy. So this waiting thing is kind of tough. I walk this with my family, um, my wife and children, with my friends, and some days, they, a lot of days, they have to put up with an impatient person being asked to wait. And so, but yet they are my source of inspiration. They are, uh, they are an encouragement to me to say, you know what? Yeah, you're not that much fun to be around, but, but we love you and we're with you through this. And this, because this isn't a, this isn't a straight line. This isn't a, okay, well, I'm going to do this. You know, I'm going to trust in the Lord. 
and then it's done, it's settled. In fact, I probably could have talked about the same thing 10 years ago that God was teaching me as he's teaching me today. And my first thought is, is wow, I'm a little bit thick. You know, it takes me this long to get these messages. But, you know, and then in reflecting on it, I, I realized that maybe that's part of it. But part of it, too, is it's not a one-and-done situation. Trusting God is not a one-and-done. I can't say I do it today, and it's, and it's there for the rest of my life. And so, you know, Pastor talked about being vulnerable. I'll be vulnerable because I sit up here thinking, man, you know, I don't want you to get the impression that, that, uh, that I have this case there's portions of my life that I'm not proud of. If you've, if you've worked with me, if you've been around me, there's, you know, I've, there's, there's stuff that, that did not honor God in my life. Um, but I continue to walk on, and I continue to be called, and I hang on to this promise, which is from Hebrews 12. For I consider him who endured such hostility for sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged for your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and scourges every son whom he receives. The fact that I'm being recalled means that God loves me. He loves me as a father. He wants he wants to help me attain the image of his son. So the first thing he's, he's walking me through and teaching me is that I really need to guard my thought life. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any vir- virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, Meditate on these things. Probably back in February, I really felt a need to cut out some of the entertainment that I was using. And movies was one. When you're sick, when you can't do anything, I was watching movies. Um, YouTube-directed viewing is another one where you just kind of follow through where they want you to go. And so, actually, I should put in here, I really like gangster movies. I don't know what it is. Love gangster movies. But I went on a fast from these things and just cut them out of my life completely for uh, probably till early July. And I didn't really notice a difference. But just a couple weeks ago, I started watching movies again. And uh, I began to see how my heart and my mind were changed by what I was viewing. And I realized the content of what I'm watching, and and it was shocking. And I realized that I'm inviting things into my home and into my heart and into my mind that did not match the list in Philippians 13. And so, this is not a, you know, I've decided to cut that out again, but This is not an if-you-do-this-you'll-be-punished thing. Um, Nor is is 
salvation a reward for not doing those things. Paul talks, or Romans talks about, you know, if there would be no need for grace if good works could buy your salvation. But I think what it does for me is that acting consistently with the way he asks us to demonstrates that I accept his whole word as truth. I believe that I'm a sinner by nature, that there is a God who loves me and provided an opportunity for salvation through his son. And it shows that I accept the whole gospel. I'd I'd like to cherry pick, don't get me wrong. I'd kind of like the salvation bit. I'm not really big on the discipline bit. But I think that we don't have the opportunity to cherry pick what we want to accept of that. Either we accept it or we don't. And that is a rebirth to a different way of thinking. The next thing he's been talking to me and to us actually about is to walk a walk of faith. Um, It's not a new concept. In order to do this, we have to know who God is. The Navigators put out a, a Names of God series where they, where they have 30, 30 different names of God and, and scriptures that, that back that up of who God is. Some that stand out to me are my provider, my healer. Uh, he's omnipotent. He knows everything. He's merciful. He's good. He's infinite. And he is just. So, and some of this is confusing to me. I don't, like I said, I don't have all the answers because God's promised to be our provider and I need to trust that he says he is who he says he is. But I also believe he's the God of all humanity. And that includes those who live in war-torn countries and those who live in countries where there's continual famine. I don't know how that all ties together, but I know that the answer may be different The answers to prayer may be different than I think they're going to look when I pray. And that's because he doesn't just see us in our North American American way of viewing the world. Uh, He sees everybody. And he loves everybody the same as he loves us here in Canada. Like I said, sometimes answers to prayer look different. And and I think it's good to look back and kind of and reflect on who he is and how he answers prayer. There was one time we asked for, a, we needed a car. Our car was dying and dead. So we prayed for a car, prayed for a car, prayed for a car, thinking we were going to get a new car. And uh, we didn't. But what God did provide in that is he provided a friend, or a guy who eventually became a friend, who helped me fix the car. He taught me how to work on cars. And the two of us together were able to bless the church that we were in by fixing cars for people who were as desperate as we were when our car was breaking down. They believed that that God's blessing in that situation was, you know, was, or I believed that the blessing was for them, but I also believe it was for myself as well. So we answered our prayer in a way that was, that was not what we expected. I mentioned I walked through this with my wife, and uh, I asked her to be up here today and, and give a little bit from her perspective. <laughs> I got the luck. She didn't even answer the question. She just looked at me, and I knew that was a solid no. 
And so I said, well, you know what? To hear your words is, is way more important or is as important as hearing mine. So I asked her to write something down, and she did. And it's, it's along this walk, a walk of faith, and I'd like to read exactly what she wrote so that you can get what God's teaching her and how this impacts her. Joshua 1.9 says, Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Jeremiah 17 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will it cease from yielding fruit. Colossians 3 says, Then if you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, which, or sorry, those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. These are the types of things that God is saying to me during this difficult time when my husband is ill. It is not necessarily a bad thing to stand on the edge of a cliff and watch everything you hold dear and everything that you have worked for wobble on the edge of that cliff. My husband, my possessions, my house are all out of my hands and in God's hands. Never has God shown this has never has God showed me so clearly that this has always been so. During all the years that I felt like I was in charge of my own destiny, it was in God's hands. During the years that I thought I owned my things, they were God's. During the time that I thought that I was in charge of my own health, it was by God's mercy that I took my next breath. God has put in my heart lessons about fear, faith, trust, and hope. And I've come to believe that do not fear, which God says many times in his word, is both a comfort and a command. The comfort says that God will be with us, will be our shield, will take us to be with him when our time on earth is done. But he has also shown me that it's a command. I must not act in fear. I must not act as though hanging on to this life is more important than glorifying him while we live. I must not believe that physical health during our lives is more important than living in his perfect will while we wait to begin the next life with God in the heavenly realm. Philippians 3, 20 and 21 says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able to subdue all things to himself. This verse says that our citizenship is in heaven, not here on earth. That our bodies are lowly, breakable things. We have a better hope. Is it hard walking with my husband through an unknown illness? Yes, of course it is. I don't want to face his potential disability or even early death. But God has been teaching me more and more to look to him and his will and less to what this life may bring. So, even though we know that we can trust God, sometimes we need a pep talk. And there's no need to be ashamed about needing a pep talk. Joshua, who was with Moses in the wilderness, saw a tremendous amount of miracles happen. 
through Moses. He needed a pep talk. Joshua 1 and 2. I think I counted them yesterday. There's no less than 10 times that God said, do not be afraid. Gideon. Gideon went and defeated the army of the Midianites. And, I mean, here's a guy who had something to fear. He had... Uh, he was given 32,000 men to, to fight what they figured was about 135,000 men. And God says, yeah, that's probably a few too many. And they had a little test, and it was pared down to 10,000. And God says, yeah, that's probably still too many. Um, you know, and he pared it down to 300. And the cool part of that story is then God used his enemies to encourage Joshua. You read the, the story's fascinating. Each time I read it, it's like it's new. But God, Gideon needed to be told over and over and over, do not be afraid. Peter as well, when he was asked to walk on water, he had to be told. And Jesus was right there with him. Had to be told, do not be afraid. So those are some of our pep, my pep talks. Um, they were the, the scriptures that Kathleen mentioned and as well as Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. So my faith is, based on a, is not based on a reasonable conclusion of what he's done in the past, but it's based on who he is. The last thing he's teaching me is to rely on him. And that's kind of like trust, but it's kind of not. Trust is about who he is. Relying on him is about my position to that trust. Kathleen sent me something the other day she wrote that said, God has us where he wants us today and wants us to focus on him. Focusing on the future or tomorrow can create worry and it distracts us for what he has for us today. And I think that's, you know, that's really where we need to be. If we rely on him, that worry will not be there. We sang the song, Breathe, earlier, and it talks about, you are the air I breathe, your holy presence living in me. And any of the you that know me might have heard me tell this story before. When we were kids, this is another one of those things my wife goes, you guys were... There's something wrong with you guys when you were kids. But when we got tired of playing with sticks, we would fight. And uh, one of the things we'd do when we'd fight is we'd put our hands over the other person's mouth and nose. And we'd block their airway and, and we'd fight. And at first it was kind of like, yeah, okay. You know, we'll fight. We tried to get the guy off. And the longer that that went on, the more desperate that person became until they had a strength that, that nobody could contain. And it's, to me, it's a reflection of where I should be. Do I, when I choke out my breath, when I fill my life with food that is, that is not God-honoring, do I get so desperate for the holy presence in me that I that I fight with everything I have to get one gasp of his presence? The answer probably more often than not is no. But I think for me, it's, it's where I want to be. It's what I want to do. I want to be that desperate 
for his presence in my life.